everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa Curry-Lowitz, and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. everyone. How are you doing this week? It's another week. It's another Wednesday. And this week, the podcast is is shifting a little bit. So what I've decided to do was invite my mom, Krisha Curry-Lowitz, back into the studio, (laughs) my living room, and interview me. So there's a bunch of random questions, little tidbits about my life, just to help everybody get to know me a little bit better. So this is kind of cool. It's a different structure. I'm excited to see how it goes. But without further ado, let's get this going. Okay. So hi, mom. Hi, sweetie. (laughs) For those of you uh, anxiously awaiting this interview, um, we are in my dining room, living room, slash puzzle uh, room. I do have a puzzle laid out on this table. It has been here for like three months. I'm almost done. It's a 2,000 piece puzzle. Uh, But yeah, this is where I record all of my podcasts live. So hi mom. Thanks for coming in. (laughs) Hey, it's my pleasure, Lisa. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Yeah. So today's topic is going to be what makes Elisa tick? <laughs> is that the topic or is that the first question? <laughs> <laughs> well, first, I just want to say a few words about you because, of course, I'm very proud of what you're doing. And I love, I'm your biggest, world's biggest fan. I love your podcast and your Instagram and I'm a bit of a junkie. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to let people know sort of what a pleasure it's been to have you as a daughter. And it's not, I'm not sending out accolades for no reason or anything like that but you have been a joy from the day that you were born you were a very quick labor type of child um I was in hospital for a couple hours and you were born so it was it was really neat and you were basically born beautiful and with a smile on your face and your whole childhood you were very happy very adventurous very mischievous. I lost you one day as an example and um, couldn't find you and it was hysterical. We had a swimming pool and I thought maybe you had drowned. Uh, it was a nightmare. I couldn't find you. And you had, you were maybe two years old, had climbed up onto the fridge and hidden in the cupboard above the fridge and cl- kept the door closed, didn't make a sound. And it was the most horrific day of my life. And I really wanted to kill you when I found you, but of course I didn't. <laughs> it's funny because I, I, I don't have a lot of memories from when I was a kid. I think I hit my head too many times skiing or whatever, but there is a memory of that. Like, I know that sounds crazy because I was two, but I remember laughing or something in that cupboard. I remember yeah. being in the cupboard just like, hee hee hee, like just thinking I was so smart and so well you were I never would have thought of looking for you up there it was 
<laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, well, sorry so, for that. For the record. <laughs> for the record. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so you you were a, an exceptional child in that way and very determined and a person that never really gave up. Mm-hmm. Um, if you wanted something, man, like you would ask every day, day after day after day after day after day after day until you got it. So determined. And that's part of what has made you such a focus and and the great person that you are today. So I just want to say, um, I know you're through your childhood, you were always smiling. Every single picture of you, you're smiling. And I know you went, you've talked about it to your listeners before about some of the darker times that you've had in your life. Um, I just want to ask you maybe the first thing, tell, tell me about your Olympic dream and how that came about. Okay. So... Um, my, I basically, I, I do recall being very young and wanting to go to the Olympics. And I remember being in gymnastics. I don't know. You can probably tell me how old I was, like six or seven, maybe when I started. And I'm naturally acrobatic. I'm naturally athletic. I do have those genes. Like I have those genetics. So I think I became pretty decent at gymnastics when I was a kid pretty quickly. However, I was not flexible. Um, at all so I don't know I think I was like 10 years old when my pre-competitive gymnastics teacher broke the news that I would never be (laughs) in competitive gymnastics because I wasn't flexible enough and I do recall driving home like bawling my eyes out and just my whole my whole 10 year old world was shattered Uh, (laughs) um, so so I really thought I was going to go to the Olympics um, in gymnastics then, when I was 14 years old, our neighbors told you that they needed girls on the freestyle team up at Camp Fortune, which is like a local ski hill. They needed girls to, to come ski freestyle, and I was already a good skier. We were a skiing family. We had a chalet up at Tremblant. We were always skiing, so it just seemed like a good fit for everybody, and then I took um, I took to it very quickly. and. I guess those like natural abilities and my athleticism and my actual gymnastics background gave me an advantage in the acrobatic side of freestyle skiing. So then I kind of found my calling and I instantly fell in love with it. I was always really um, in love with skiing. Um, And this just was, again, like a super good fit. And I progressed through um, the teams or the levels or the tiers within freestyle very quickly. Like you start at the club level. I was on the club for half a season and I went into like the regional program right away. And then, um, the following season I had made the Ontario team. Um, and then I made the national development team within three years. So from starting to three years later, I was on the national team. So I was in the national program and doing really well and having quite a bit of success. Um, the national program was like 1998, I think. 1998-99 season was when I made the team, I believe. Anyhow, um, and then it just kind of, like all of those dreams and those goals just kind of came back and flooded back in. And um, I, that's, that's where it all stemmed from. Is that am I answering your question? Yes, you're answering my question very well. <laughs> like, uh, did you did you want to say anything about maybe your Olympic disappointment about not making it to the Olympics and how that affected yeah. you? I know you've touched on that in the past, but do you want to do the story 
the day you found out? <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, I think that that will be in a podcast of its own because there's so much to it. Yes. But I, I will say that um, along the way, I definitely started to lose myself. So when I made the team, I was 17, um, turning 18, and I was young, and I was very influenced by what other people thought about me, and I wanted to please people, and I wanted to, I, I wasn't, I wanted to go to the Olympics, I wanted to be the best, I wanted to win, I'm very competitive, all of those things are like natural, they come natural to me, but I, I also started to lose the why for me, like why I was doing it, because I just got so confused with the winning. So the I only I was I became outcome oriented. So I just wanted to win. I wanted to win. I didn't focus enough on the process of how I'm going to and how I'm gonna get there. And I think it happens to a lot of athletes. It happens to a lot of career people, even like outside of sport where they see the destination and they don't actually pay attention to what's Mm -hmm. happening. And that's where I got lost. So I started to really um, compare myself to other skiers and I started to judge people. And like freestyle skiing is a judged sport. So I would, I would always blame the judges for my results instead of actually looking and inside and so when the time came where I actually choked and I didn't go to the Olympic Games, this would have been just before the 2006 Torino Games, like that um, that time of my life, I, I, couldn't ex- I couldn't take responsibility for myself. Like that was for all the things that I did leading into it. So in the moment, all I saw was like, poor me, victim, my Olympic dreams are gone. I'm letting everybody down. This is the worst thing ever. Instead of actually, you know, I wish, like, I don't really wish. That's not a good quote. I, like, if I could go back, mm-hmm. I would now, I would, I would absolutely pay way more attention to just the small stuff, mm-hmm. the little daily processes, because that is what, the outcome will come. It mm-hmm. will always come if you are in the moment and focusing on the things you want, the outcome will come. So I don't know. I think my Olympic dream was um, a devastation in a lot of ways. However, um, there there was some positive stuff along the way. I'm just saying like in general, that's what happened. <clears throat> I, I did, I was fortunate enough to um, volunteer at the 2010 Vancouver Olympics. I was the assistant chief of finish. So I had an official title and I was at the bottom of the course and watched um, Alex Bilodeau win gold. I watched Jennifer Heil come second. Um, it was pretty spectacular. So my Olympic experience was, my Olympic dream was sort of fulfilled as, um, in more of a, um, a, a working role as opposed to an athletic role. So a behind the scenes role, which was absolutely fabulous. It was wonderful. I loved it. Um, maybe not what I initially dreamed of when I was a 10 year old, uh, gymnast, but <laughs> Uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's made you the strong person that you are today, no question, because it does take it does take discipline to really get anything done when you think about it. <laughs> oh yeah, true. <laughs> are you the kind of person that's always on time? Uh yes. Always. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
Yes, I learned um, how to be on time from you, actually, Mother, who was basically never on time. Yes. Oops. <laughs> um, I want to ask you, um, what is your definition of happiness, Elisa, now that you're sort of on the other side of the big disappointment? What, yeah. what do you want today? Um, you know, it does evolve. In this moment right now, like I did do a podcast on happiness a few weeks ago. So if anyone wants to listen to it, it's a good one. Um, to me, in this moment right now, happiness is being able to sit with myself alone in silence and be comfortable in my skin and be able and know that everything's going to be okay. That's what real happiness is to me is to be able to sit alone and know that I'm going to be okay. Not need anything, not want anything. No distraction. Even with no distraction, not, yeah, just being with myself and centering myself and grounding myself and just being okay in my body. That's happiness right now. That's wonderful. There's not a whole lot of people actually delve into that. Mm -hmm. And we're always picking ourselves apart. That sort of thing. Yeah, like there was times like in when I'm when I'm having feelings of unhappiness or like dis-ease or like I'm uneasy or uncomfortable, my mind's always running. I need to be doing something. I need to be here. I need to accomplish this or that person's made me so mad or and I'm blaming and I'm looking outside of who I am. So like when I'm able to eliminate all of that and just sit and be okay and know the universe is providing and trust in myself and my abilities then you know those are the times where you just you can you can sleep easy yes <laughs> and that's happiness okay well that's very good um how do you stay motivated like with your exercise program or whatever goals you have nowadays what keeps you motivated do you ever say i just don't feel like it <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> um yeah, okay, so that that's something uh, people ask me quite a bit because, because it's, it's hard. A, it's hard to stay motivated. It's hard. Yeah. Is it a discipline and a focus? It, is. it, it definitely is. Like I, I I guess I am a disciplined person. I'm I am the type of person where I'm when I make a decision, I stick to it. I won't say yes to something if I don't think I can do it 100%. I mean, sometimes I don't necessarily have the outcome that I want, but I'll commit to it till the end, if that makes sense. Like, yes. I don't like using the word failure, so I won't. Um, but yeah, if things don't turn out, that's fine. But if I'm not sure I can do it, um, but want to try, I do say yes to things. But when it comes to like health and fitness, there are periods in my life where I was very undisciplined and very unhealthy and not in, in denial and pretending that I was doing things the right way. You're just kind of discounting it, I, discounting what you that when you were doing something you shouldn't have been doing. Yeah, sure. I was like in full denial and I would just justify um, not treating my body well. So... The motivation I have is is actually self love. That's gonna sound a little bit cliche, or I don't know. It's it's it's. I want to treat my body really well. Mm -hmm. I want to treat my mind really well. And yeah, those it's some oftentimes like really hard to get to the gym or to put my runners on or to set up my 
pure online or do like a yoga class or whatever, whatever I decide to do. I love doing all those activities. Like I do talk about that. Um, I have talked about that in the past, but like I choose activity that I really enjoy doing Mm -hmm. or else I wouldn't do it. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a motivation in itself, I guess. But I, my motivation is my body. When my body doesn't feel good, I need to make a change. And I am now through awareness able to recognize when my body's not, um, what's the word Yoda uses all the time? When in I'm, sync? <laughs> well, yeah, like in sync or in balance. In balance, or, right. Um, when I need, when I'm, when I'm in, like not balanced, I, I definitely can feel so you, that. You need sleep or you need to change your diet or you need to exercise more or less or yeah, whatever. Yeah, or just take a little bit more time or relax or, or whatever. Like I'm at a point now where I'm very aware of the feelings in my body and I kind of, um, I'm able to make my decisions based off that. But at no point am I, do I just say like, screw it. I'm not going to. Um, run today. No, no, no. Oh. I, I do say that. Like okay. if I'm not feeling good and yeah. I, I go, I'm like, I don't force myself to do things anymore. I used to. I okay. used to be a little bit neurotic when it came to running or um, when I'm, especially when I'm training for like the marathons. Like in those, t- I don't really like missing workouts because it will potentially affect, you know, the Down race the day or yeah. whatever. But yeah. at the same time, if I, I can, I can, I understand when my body says no and I do take breaks. I take a lot more breaks. Um, but in terms of the discipline, like, yeah, the biggest motivation, you know, sometimes I do get motivated by um, people on Instagram, people on social media that are just kind of telling their personal stories. Mm-hmm. I do really enjoy um people's stories of adversity and how they've found something that they love but it all is surrounded by this love and I didn't know that until I knew that and when I started practicing it and actually treating myself with respect it's it actually makes going to the gym or doing those exercises or eating well very easy it's not hard it's not challenging and you can speak to that as well like when you when you get into the groove, when you're building momentum, it all builds and your normal becomes different. So before, when I was like overweight and um, smoking smoking and drinking and just depressed and in this bad space, like my, I'd wake up in the morning and feel a certain way. Like that way was my normal. And as you start climbing out of that, your normal, the standard becomes higher. Like I couldn't imagine if I time warped back in time just for one hour of what I used to feel like back then, I probably felt like such shit. Like I hundred percent of the time, a hundred percent of the time compared to now, like yes. now I'm very, you were like the swollen, um, <laughs> <laughs> acne face balloon. <laughs> yes, I know. And yeah. I was crying all the time. All and the like, time. Yep. it's like, Whoa, that's a big what indication. happened to our happy child. <laughs> yeah. That's a, it's a good indication though. If, if that like, that something needed to change. Like, and that's, that's something that really motivates me even to talk about stuff like this is that when you, you know, I have many unhappy people in my life. People are <laughs> unhappy for whatever reason, but they're always looking outside of themselves yes. for their unhappiness. Yes. How can you fix that? It's a really, it's a really personal question. You fix it by through awareness and through practicing um, awareness of thought and your belief like these people um, 
have very deep seated beliefs that they've grown up learning and practicing over and over and over and over again. And I sometimes think of it as a movie camera, you know, yeah. a lens. Yeah, it's a lens. Yeah, it is a lens. And yeah. how do you get someone to switch the lens or turn it off or take it off and like see things in a different perspective? It's a, it's it the person the person has to be open to change. They need to be able to break their cycle of thinking and their cycle of following their belief systems in order to make a change. And I, I personally, like what happened to me, and I've said this a million times, is I started, I, I was seeing Yoda and she told me to start practice, like writing down my thoughts and my beliefs about myself. And then I realized, holy shit, I, I'm not very nice to myself. I was writing down a lot of really mean comments in my journal and I couldn't believe that those were the thoughts in my brain because I didn't even think that I thought that much. Like I was like, oh, I'm not someone who, you know, talks badly about myself. Oh, I, I'm not, do you know what I mean? Yes. And then I realized, holy crap, I totally am. And it's bad. Like I would drop a pencil, a pencil would roll off the table onto the floor and make a noise and I'd be like, oh, you're such an idiot, Elisa. You're so stupid. How could wow. you let that happen? And I'd be like... But you never grew up with anybody talking like that to you. <laughs> it's, that's a, How do you start start to call you? Like, how do you think of yourself that way? I don't know. I, I learned it somewhere from someone. I learned it somehow, whether it was from family, from friends, from teachers, from myself, from social, like from television, from movies. Could it be that when you were looking at other things outside of yourself, other people, and you were comparing, you might have seen inadequacy or something like that? Oh, totally. Totally. Like, I, I fully based my self-esteem based on what other people thought for a, a very but that's enormous... But a lot of people are like that. Yes. Most people are yes. like that. Yes. Because otherwise, who would care about style or fashion or, or cars or any of that stuff? Because the status type things and, you know, that sort of thing. Well, well yeah, that's, that's a good point. However, like, I do... I mean, if different personalities are drawn to different things in this world and they like... Like, there is, I think, a difference between, like you know, personalities and then beliefs mm-hmm. and a belief about yourself and how you treat yourself because you can like all the cars in the world and, um, and still have and low still self have, and still, and, and, and have high self, yeah. self-esteem or low self-esteem. Right. Like it's good point. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, what do you say to people who are lonely, Elisa? Is there a fix for that? Um, okay. So again, loneliness is, um, ah, loneliness is the product of wanting or wishing someone's going to fill your cup for you. So, so yeah, loneliness happens when you're looking outside of yourself. That's, that's the main part of it. If you can sit with yourself and be alone in your room and be comfortable and happy, you, you won't feel that loneliness because you fill your own cup with your own beliefs and your own thoughts. And it, that obviously like that doesn't necessarily happen overnight. Um, it does take some time and practice, but eventually loneliness, if you can take responsibility for yourself, and look inside of yourself and and understand that you are responsible for your own feelings, other people are not responsible, then 
that will start to shift and it will start to change. Like oftentimes people, like loneliness is just one of many feelings that you might feel um, with your beliefs or whatever. But if a lot of people say like, oh, well, I can never do that or I could never, this person's made me so mad. This person is making me so angry. I'm so jealous of this person. Well, it's actually, no, you have a belief inside of you and you're comparing yourself to that person or you're taking what they say personally because they've hit a chord or struck something. You feel like you're missing out on something. Or you feel like you're missing out. But that's all because of you. What people say and do have nothing to do with you ever. It has to do with them. It has to do how they're feeling, what is going on inside of their brains. So if someone, this is a really good example, and I've read this um, in a book somewhere. It's like, let's just say that you're walking down the street and um, a bum or like a crazy person standing on the side of the road says, hey, you slut, you're so fat today. You look so fat and ugly. You would like look at them and be like, you're crazy. Ha ha ha. And like keep walking. And it probably wouldn't phase you necessarily. However, if like your husband or brother or sister or family member said those exact same words in the exact same way, you, you would take it personally and you would believe them because they're a part of your influencer group. Like they're in your bubble Mm. and all of a sudden you, you have to listen to what they're saying and you believe them. So so you take it personally, and that's what taking things personally is. So, when, But the thing is, is that it's the but same. But we're not way. islands, right? Like we interact with each other, and it's only yeah. natural that that events or, or things that people say are going to hurt us or are going to make us feel sad or um, like someone who, for example, like in your, to me, when I compare your Olympic loss, to me it was like, as a family, I think we all really suffered, of course, mm-hmm. but it it felt like um, like a death because it was the death of a dream, right? Yeah, um, but, but in essence, like you took that loss personally. Yes. You made it personal to you. Well, because you were hurting so bad. Sure. It's so someone that you love deeply, like yes. your own child, there's nothing harder for a parent than to have a hurting child because we want to fix it, right? Yeah, you want to fix it. I know. However, it is like, I mean, especially for like adult children, I think it's a little bit different when you have like young children and you need to like nurture yes. and take care of them. But for like adult children, it's like the relationship changes. It's not a mother child it, or it shouldn't really idealistically it's not a mother child. And then it becomes more of a, a peer, right? It is. But the whole thing is like you're still taking it personally. Like um, you still have a belief inside of you and something has happened and you've related it to that belief and you, you are hurt. So it's like the hook. You're being yeah. hooked by someone else. Someone else. Something happened to somebody and you're taking that pain and making it your own. You're doing that. I'm not doing that. No. So you get to choose how you react to every circumstance, whether it's your child or a, a bum on the side of the road. Like, so it's easier to do it with the bum because you don't have an attachment to them, but you've made an attachment to me, obviously. And that would be like, that's why it affected you so badly. It's not a bad thing. Excuse no. me. We take things personally all the time. It is not a bad thing. It's to human some, nature. It is. It is a con. It's your conscious. It's your ego. That is absolutely part of your personality. It is. It is what it is. But like when you go back to the lonely um, question, what do I say to somebody who's lonely? Is that was the question? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I would encourage them to start thinking about what they love about themselves and say it 10 times in the shower when they're washing their body and say, you know, I love my arms. I love my legs. I love my face. I love my, I love this warm water on my back, this roof over my head and start thinking about the things they appreciate instead of projecting that loneliness back out into the universe because that's what's going to come back to them. So you need to start shifting the inner dialogue and changing the beliefs like one word at a time. Very good. How do you draw the line about what you will accept from other people? Like how do you how do you personally deal with difficult people? Okay, this should actually be a topic um, for a podcast because um, I, over the years I've dealt with difficult people in many different ways. Um, I'm of I come from the belief that we will accept the same level of abuse from others to which we put on ourselves. So if, for example, I call myself an idiot every single day and I hate myself or whatever those words were that I used to say, if someone was to say that to me that's very close to me, I would still accept them in my life because it wouldn't draw the line. The line for me now is much higher because my standard of myself and my self-esteem and self-worth is like at an all-time high, let's put it that way. So... I can recognize right away when somebody is, um, I don't know, below the line. You're, you're asking me what the line is. How do I know what the line The yeah. line is very clear for me because um, it just, because it just, like, I don't know. Even is it a feeling or is it feeling? somebody says something to you? or It's, it's all of the above. All of the yeah, above. Okay. it's all of the above. So um, it's actions. Um I also have, uh, I come from the belief, and I learned this from the famous Oprah Winfrey, is when people show you who they are, believe them. Mm. It's like something that we, remember, like, yeah. I don't know, was that like six or seven years ago, we went and saw Oprah. We did, the shoes. We, <laughs> remember the shoes? The shoes. <laughs> Sandy Sharkey got those shoes. <laughs> so we ended, we saw Oprah, and that was like, I was like kind of making notes, and that was the first note that I made in, in, from that presentation. So like Oprah like did the speech and we, um, it was, it was fabulous. And she said, when people show you who they are, believe them. And I, at the time I thought it was so profound. I had this like aha moment. And then, but I didn't actually put it into practice until I started, until I started, you know, climbing out of the hole, climbing out (laughs) of my own hole and, and working on myself and my personal beliefs and my personal thoughts. And then I could see, I started seeing um, abusive people and, and recognizing who those people were. And it's not like they're abusive. They just have their own beliefs and their own thoughts and their own self-esteem issues that, you know, maybe they need to, you know, poke the bear to make themselves feel better or they're, they're judge. They have a judge and a victim inside of them as well. And I can appreciate that now. I can see that now, but like the, for me, I know when I'm being taken advantage of, um, Sometimes I like to give people the benefit of the doubt and I do give second chances and I do, um, especially when you look someone in the eye and you understand that they're coming from a good place, they're coming from a genuine place, you know, people are people and they, I don't know, make mistakes or have bad days, but for the most part, um, I can, the 
it's easy for me to say no to people that don't make me feel good or bring joy to my life. You know, I was watching this thing with Will Smith like yesterday and he's just like, look at the last five people that have text messaged you. Like, do those people lift you up in life? Do they support you? Do they inspire you or, or not? And if they don't, then why, why are you keeping them in your life? What in you, what is it in you that you need to keep these suckers pulling you down? Like, why do you, why do you keep them in your life? Because there's a reason. It, I don't know what the answer is. Do you is, think but... you have a bias? Like, are there some people that you may take more um, bad behavior from than others? Maybe if there, can you sense a need and this is someone that really needs help? Like, when you're trying to help somebody, coach somebody. Yeah. And you, you're listening to their problems or you're trying to get them on, on board with diet, say, or exercise yeah. or whatever. And those excuses start coming, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. I can't do this because of this or I can't do this because of that. Do you continue or? Um, well, I've kind of changed a little bit uh, my approach because um, I don't sugarcoat anything. I don't um, tell people what they want to hear um however I also can recognize when someone's not ready to hear something so I don't I don't offer advice as often as I used to I used to walk into a conversation and just start talking now I listen I do a lot more listening and I will give advice when people ask me like people call me up and say hey I have this problem what would you do and I would absolutely um I think I learned this from Yoda actually because she never just gives me advice. She'll say, can I offer you some advice? Are you able, like, so, because oftentimes people don't want advice. They just need to vent. They need to get something off their chest. And so I just kind of sit back and listen. And then if they, like, kind of want the next thing, then I would definitely offer my advice to that. But when it comes to a bias, I mean, it's kind of to the point where, like I said, I give people the benefit of the doubt, but they're, the only people that I'm biased towards, I would say, is, like, family. I'm way more harsh with my family. Like, when you and I have discussions, like, I freaking don't I think we're anything. pretty brutally honest. We're brutally honest. Like, yeah. I don't really hold anything back no. or sugarcoat anything. True. Um, but I also... How's my hair, Lisa? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> no, you look wonderful. Yeah. But um, it's, it's just... Like, I... I don't want to fix, I, I am not trying to fix anybody but myself. And I want to lead by example and be a, like walk the walk and talk the talk. That's how I feel like I teach people the mo- in the most profound way. And if someone wants my advice and I'll give it to them, feel free to take it or leave it. I don't care. <laughs> do it or don't do it. Your call. What rule... Um, do you think at this point in your life does food play? <laughs> okay, so food plays like one of the most dramatic roles um, in my life. I I have a lot of food sensitivities, um, some potential allergies, yada yada yada. I'm one of those people that you know, sugar sugar is a big one. Um, when I eat a lot of sugar, I get really moody. I get headaches. I get mood swings. I when my blood sugar's not right, like it, like anybody, I'm sure. Actually, I don't know what it feels like to be in anyone else's body except for my own, so I can't really comment to that. But I, I, 
just judging from how much uh, type 2 diabetes there is in our society. Yeah, exactly. That's a big indicator of what how people are eating, right? Yeah, so um, I also um, can recognize when I'm emotionally eating, when I'm binge eating for emotions. There are a few days in the month where I definitely have a hormone, a hormonal response, and I'll eat whatever the hell I want, basically, for those couple of days, or I'll cry alone in my kitchen, oh, eating chocolate bars. I'm just kidding. No, but there are some points in my cycle in the month where I know that I will eat more, and I take that for what it is. But for the most part, I definitely... Um, I'm into eating whole foods. I'm into eating very healthy um, because ultimately I love my body and I want to fuel it with things that it can use with nutrition, with vitamins, minerals, with sub like positive substance because I do believe that it's keeping me young. Um, I mean, I look like I'm 25 years old. Well, you it, are, aren't you? Because <laughs> yeah, what like does that make me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I like... I. I want to treat my body right, and I'm not in denial about that. I was for many years. Yes, I drink a lot of alcohol. That's like my Achilles heel a little bit, but I can go months at a time. I mean, this past summer, I didn't drink from July all the way into November um, because I was focusing on my health, and I go through phases where I don't like to use the word balance, but I do balance things out through different phases and what I'm focusing on and what... I care about what I don't care about. But the general rule is I fuel my body with foods that my body can use, that can recognize as food, as being real food, and that um, that make me feel good. Like, I know. Like, you can, you know, like, when you go, I haven't been to McDonald's, but let's just use McDonald's as an example. I've been to McDonald's That was my so Achilles heel. <laughs> yeah. So when you, like, eat a Big Mac meal, who in this universe, like, who listening right now could eat a Combo number one at McDonald's and feel good after. Uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> but like you feel good in your body after eating that? Um, it's, it's an emotional good. Like you I feel think, content. I don't know. I, I always, when I was young, when I was pregnant with Yasha, your older sister, 40 years ago. Yeah. Um, that's when they had um, Big Mac attacks. It was their sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. motto or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And um, I literally had a Big Mac every day of my pregnancy. Okay, well, okay, pregnancy okay. might be different. <laughs> Maybe pregnancy, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows what that did to her brain? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. it was, yeah, it was. I was so addicted. It was crazy. Fair. Okay, well, you might be the one person in the world that doesn't feel like a little bit shittier after eating. The, True. Like, yeah. it's the salt. It's just the processed food. It's just... Not I just want to eat it. I just want to eat more McDonald's when well, I have I, do it. I don't know if it has something in it that makes you want more. No, but. absolutely. It totally does. It absolutely does. I, I feel that I understand what you're saying in that regard. Like it's it's so tasty, it's so salty, but like you feel tired. You want to go to bed. Yes, after. that's true. Yes. You don't feel good. You don't feel energized no. and ready to tackle no. the day. You just want to like watch TV mm-hmm. or like sit. Yes. Like your productivity levels. My productivity level would decrease substantially if I had a combo number one. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, As you know very well, social media um, is here to stay. Uh, We're all dealing with the ramification of what it means to youth, to adults, to 80-year-olds. I love seeing an 80-year-old with a cell phone, I'm sorry to say. but (laughs) I do too. I love it. (laughs) Um, How has it affected your life? Well, um... 
it's actually helped me um, to express my creativity, to um, coach beyond the physical um, one-on-one um, technical ski coaching. It's it's basically, yeah, I like what you said there, that it's here to stay. And it's one of those things, like, I don't know how many people know this, but like two years ago, I didn't have an Instagram account. So I did. It was a private account. I think I had 300 followers that were like basically my high school friends and like some ski people. Um, and somebody said to me, um, hey, you should try and be Instagram famous. You're really good at taking pictures and making videos. And I was like, Instagram famous? what the hell is that? (laughs) And uh, they're like, oh, you can make money on Instagram. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So I basically did one of those like ding, like a light bulb moment where I was like, I'm going, I'm deciding to, to figure out how someone's going to pay me $1 to Instagram. Like that was my whole goal. I want a company or a person to give me $1. And then I was going to like wave that dollar in the air and be like, someone gave me a dollar for social media. I had no idea this whole world was like unfolding. So so I started posting and I, I started producing content of me skiing around the world with the team and just kind of living my life as I was evolving and people really started to like that. And I, I worked really hard. I engaged with a lot of people on Instagram and I built a following. I, th- I think I built, um, in that first year, I think I built like a following of 15,000 or something like that, 15, 16,000 followers in that first year. And then in the past year, I've gained like five, almost 5,000 followers, I would say. The second year has been a lot slower because, heck, what do you know? People are like, how the hell are you gaining all these followers? And companies are hiring me and I'm consulting with them and I'm I'm working with private accounts and I, I manage social media. So social media has made a huge impact on my life because it's now my primary source of income. It's something that I really love to do. It like lets me be creative. Um, and, and yeah, I think it's friggin' awesome. I, I actually really, really enjoy the majority of the content that I expose myself to. Like I, I do see a lot of, um, the one thing that I, I don't really like is, is when I see young women out there, um, portraying um, and trying to be sexy and, and belittling themselves and and just not empowering themselves through their messages and through their imagery and they're they're basically like dumbing themselves down I that's something that I, I don't really I don't really like to see but I think for the most part social media is really cool it's a cool way to connect to people and motivate and and, and absolutely that's the positive positive side yes the things like bullying and uh Mm -hmm. you know the naysayers and the negative people that sit behind the anonymity of their computers it's uh, that's sort of a little bit disconcerting I would imagine oh absolutely and I mean like even with my account like yeah there is a little bit of sexiness in the way I post um and the like I I am in a bathing suit sometimes um I do have a strong following I do get a lot of comments all the time uh, about how I look and about um, what I'm wearing and how sexy I am and what people want to do to me, things like that. So just based on what I, the content I put out there and the response I get from some people, I can't imagine what like those 16, 17, 
all the way up to like 25 year old girls are, are getting like those types of comments, people, they have, it's so easy to, to bully. And it's so easy just to sit behind your screen and say something that you may not mean and have no idea how that affects the person on the other side. For me, like I said, I'm in a position where, um, I don't accept those comments. It's totally fine for someone to have that opinion. I, it means nothing to me. It's their yes. opinion. I can leave it at that. I don't take it personally. It's totally fine. Sometimes I even laugh at it. I think it's hilarious. I just delete, decline, block, get out, peace out. But there, there's... How do we how do we portray that message to young women? Like when you yes. hear about teenagers committing suicide and um, the bullies at school really bullying classmates, etc., it's a, I know it's a, it's sort of a, a big topic, yeah, but it's, big. it's one of those things that that's what, why people are against social media. But of course that's always yeah. been, those kinds of things have existed since time immortal. Like Yeah. Bullying a, has evolved as well. It's, it's a lot more silent now because you don't have to be standing in front of the person anymore. You can be in the comfort of your own home and whereas home for me, cause I was bullied when I was a kid. I don't know if you remember that. We don't yes. need to talk about it, but like. Uh, it was at school. I could yes. come home to my safe spot, whereas now the safe spot's a little bit different. Yeah. So there are I I don't know how to answer that question. To be honest, I <laughs> I I don't to empower the youth. I think we just need to be leaders in how we the, conduct and how we conduct ourselves and how we portray ourselves and and how. You know, how we act. I mean, I work with some young people and I lead by example there too. Like I, I, it's, we just need to come together and support each other and like understand that, you know, you can be sexy by being an individual. You don't have to follow what everyone else is doing. You can be yourself and do your own thing and also the more self-esteem you have, the more like girls that are posting naked pictures of themselves, I I believe are looking outside of themselves to get approval. So if you, if you already have that self-esteem and that appreciation of who you are and you love yourself, you don't need to do that. So you won't do it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. What on Instagram, what are the most common questions that people ask you? Um, Okay, I said this the other day, I think, um, in the podcast, but one of the most popular ones is, how do I live your life? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. That one. <laughs> and it's always the same answer. You get on, you get on a flying bus. <laughs> get on a flying bus. Shit your pants over yeah. the uh, Pacific. Um, no, you... It's, it all starts with awareness, awareness of thought, a belief, your belief system, recognizing what happens inside of you and who you are and recognizing who you are and, and honoring that and having some authenticity. That's how, that's how it starts for me. And then you can start to find and really understand what you love to do. And then you follow that. That's the answer to that question in a nutshell. It's like kind of a really short, if you want to know more, just listen to the other podcasts. Okay, guys. Yeah. Um, the other question Questions people ask me are, um, like, and besides the where you're from. Right. Um, <laughs> they ask me if I'm single. Yes. <laughs> Do I have a boyfriend? Uh, no, I am. I don't have a boyfriend. I am single. Um, and, like, just, just, like, 
a lot of questions about motivating and a lot of questions that we've asked here, like people yes. ask about my skiing, they ask what motivates, how, oh, biggest question outside of that, that, um, how do I live your life is how do you lose weight? Ah, that's a yeah. topic. <laughs> yes. That will be a podcast. I am putting it together. I just, I'm, I'm making some notes on it. And I just, it will come out soon of how I lost 85 pounds. Um, because it's not, it's not through like a structured program. It's something that I came up with kind of like on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I made some decisions. Like, oh, yeah, you, you were around when that happened. Like I yo-yo dieted and stuff. Oh, and yes. I did a million diets, lost some weight, gained it back. But like how I ultimately like lost all of the weight and kept it off was sort of like my little secret, which yeah. I will tell you guys at some point. <laughs> That's going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, how much time do you spend on your phone every day? Uh, a lot. Um, I'm going to say I spend an average of six hours. Wow. I do at least. That's like your average 13 year old. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. I do charge my phone um, overnight and then once during the day. Okay. I, it won't even last a full charge just because of all the activity that I do. But then I'm also engaging a lot on social media. I'm working for other accounts. I'm finding content. I'm creating content. Um, on my personal Instagram, I probably spend about. 10 to 15 I, depending on if I do like a story or something like that or if I'm on vacation I would say on average 15 minutes a day mm-hmm. on my personal account unless I obviously like I do work on my blog on my blogging so I will write um, and I do that on my computer so I guess it's a six it's it's six to eight hours a day between my computer and my lap and my uh my phone mm-hmm. it's a lot that's quite, that's quite a lot yes yeah do you it, have a, what kind of phone do you have? <laughs> I have an iPhone 7 Plus. It's uh, the best thing ever. But then I've also learned like part of me finding balance in my life, like in my work life uh, or personal work life balance, whatever ratio, mm-hmm. however you want to call it, is I do, I do take time in the day where I don't look at my phone. I get, I have a smartwatch. Um, it's a Cento. It's like my favorite th- new thing of 2017. Um, and it beeps um, when I get a text message. It shows me so I can like read. So if I, my, I don't actually have my phone on me, I can look at and read the message on my watch. I can see all wow. the notifications. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I need one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. It's awesome. So, so, but I turn it off. So it goes into snooze mode in the early evening because I want to unplug. I don't want to know if someone texts me later at night. Like once the work day's over, I start to shift now. I used to not do that and it kind of created some burnout. So anyways. Hmm. Um, what has been so far, you've traveled extensively all over the world. What yeah. has been your favorite trip? Well, the Costa Rica trip that I just went on was probably the one of the top best trips of all time um and it had to do with like beautiful weather um being with my friends eating really great food being with like-minded people having 10 days 10 days is a great amount of time for a vacation it's uh like a week I sometimes think goes by a, so fast. I don't think I've ever had a 10-day vacation <laughs> yeah yeah well I went to Australia for 10 days and it actually well, I went for 12 days, but it actually turned out to be 10 days. But the travel, it's like two days yeah. to get there. It's just like it was a huge time zone shift or whatever. Like it felt a lot shorter and went a lot faster. 
but 10 days is like excellent. Um, but favorite trip. I don't know. I really enjoy, I really enjoyed spending, you know, 10 to 12 weeks in Whistler every year with the team. I was in Whistler for like almost three months every single year for like 12 years. And I, I do, I miss that. I miss the spirit of the mountains and the vibrations and the energy there. Um, so I would say, yeah, probably Whistler. Yeah. Yeah, probably. That's your favorite trip. Okay. I know um, for Gary and my 10th anniversary, you bought yeah. us a trip to Whistler. Yeah. And that was one of our most memorable, like being on top of those mountains with yeah. nothing but the sky above. Yeah. And it's cool. You can take pictures yeah. that you look like you're on a cliff, but you're not really, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's an illusion. Illusions, yes. yes but the air is so crisp. It's really quite wonderful. Mm -hmm. No question. But you didn't like the bears, right? The bears? Yeah. Well, I mean, the bears are the bears. Like, you got to be smart when you're in the bush and you're running and trail running. And you, I mean, it's something that you need to be aware of when you're, like, out there. But if you're smart and you take the right precautions, like, you, yeah. It's all good. It's all good. Want to play some 20 questions, like fast speedo questions? Yeah. Okay. I do. Because I, I know you did that. I've seen you do that before with other people. So I thought maybe you could do it with me. Um, is there actually 20 or do we have less than um, we have less than 20 yeah because that would take two hours right okay, okay, <laughs> no. let's... okay. so favorite well, favorite uh, so I'm gonna like kind of rhyme these off okay are you okay. good with that yeah I'm good. okay all right so how about favorite food uh, sushi that's it <laughs> yes or pierogi oh yeah for sure babjas only yeah. babjas pierogies okay yeah. uh, top three songs on your pay playlist um Oh my gosh, I don't even know song titles. That's like a hard one for me. But I would definitely say Lady Gaga, Justin Timberlake, and I don't know, Party Rock. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of car do you drive? I drive a Toyota Matrix. It is a 2007 Running Strong. Rust bucket. No, just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Diamonds or pearls? Diamonds. Do you take vitamins? I do. Multi, vitamin B, magnesium, E, C, D, <laughs> all the alphabet. Calcium? Uh, no, but that's in my multi, so. Okay. Top three binge-worthy Netflix series. Ooh. Okay. Netflix. I, okay. Ooh, you okay. Sensate is one of my favorites. Um, let's see. Sensate, um, Homeland. Oh yeah. And Game Scandal. Of Game of Thrones isn't on. Isn't on the oh, you're Netflix. right. That's on HBO. Yeah, that's okay, right. Okay, Scandal. Scandal is like, oh my god, so good. It's in the final season. <laughs> Top three qualities you look for in a man. Oh, okay. Um, tall. Dark and handsome. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, probably tall. Um, funny is a big one for me. And um, professional. Professional. Okay. Ski or run? Ski. Favorite city in the world? Favorite city. You know, I always... I've, people ask me this question, actually. And I always come back to Ottawa. And that's why I live here. People are like, why do you live in Ottawa when you can live in Vancouver? Vancouver is... I'll give you my top three. My... 
I do love living in Ottawa. I kind of, I can't even, I'm not going to include that though. I love Vancouver. It is so beautiful and it's in the mountains. It's like probably my favorite city like in Canada, um, besides Ottawa. I love Paris. I've been there one time. I was there for six days and it was awesome. Uh, I was there with my ski team and we actually, there was an event in France that got canceled. So we had like a week off. So we decided to go to Paris and it's just such a cool city. There's so much diversity, so much culture, so much history, cool vibrations. It was really cool. I love it there. And then I would say the third one would be Tokyo. Tokyo is rad. It is so big. There's a bajillion people. It's so fast and busy and lights and, um, but cultural, like there's so much culture there and it's very cool. That's my number three. Japanese people are very, very cool people. They're so cool. Yeah. They're Let's so see that, that Talk about nice. a disciplined nation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's very cool. Absolutely. Favorite book, fic- fiction and nonfiction. Okay. Fiction would be the Outlander series. I'm actually on book five right now. It's taken me a really long time to read them, but because they're huge, but they're so good. Um, nonfiction is definitely the four agreements. Don Miguel Ruiz. Yeah. That's my favorite too. Yeah. Uh, bucket list trip. Bucket list trip. I want to go to Machu Picchu. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to Machu Picchu. Yeah. Perfect. I don't know if I'll be able to because it's like a city on dangling off the edge of a cliff of a friggin' mountain. And I've seen some pictures that look like it's cool, but other pictures where I'm like, I might die because I'm afraid of heights, but it's definitely it's on the kind of ironic that you choose to ski on mountains that are <laughs> that are completely vertical <laughs> and you're afraid of heights. Yeah, well, put skis on me. I'll be fine. It's like the no, it's yeah. Anyways. <laughs> so is there anything else that you would like um, to that, say about that yourself? It? That's it. That's it for my fast run quiz things. And I can't think of anything else oh, okay. as far as the quick, 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 uh, quick, quick tick, trip tick. <laughs> No, I think I personally, I love when people ask questions and if anyone has a question that they want to talk about or whatever, like feel free, maybe we can do this again and I'll, I'll, I'll fill it with all the questions like that listeners want to know. That's um, a good idea. Because we, like some of these I think are listeners, but they're also just like, um, just random. Yeah. <laughs> for fun. <laughs> random and for fun. Um, but yeah, I think I... I enjoy this portion of my life where I do sort of wear my heart on my sleeve. I don't really like that saying, but I'm... Well, you're putting yourself I'm putting out there. myself out there. And, um, and yeah, I just... And hope. I think, and ultimately, I, I, like you've said it in one of your podcasts before, that your goal is to help motivate and, uh, well, you say it at the beginning of each podcast, I <laughs> yeah, guess, sure. yeah. which I've sort of memorized now, but... Yeah. Certainly, I know I, I personally really look forward to hearing what you have to say. And I'm excited to, to uh, see all the or hear about all the n- new things that you're going to talk about in the future. Yeah. So I hope that maybe this was a glimpse into your own life and sort of how you've got to be to where you are today. Yeah. And I loved every minute, minute of being near you and by your side through Thanks, this process. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> It's really cool and special that you're the one interviewing me because you have seen all of that yes. um, go. And it's and it's also kind of cool that um, even though we've been so close the whole time, you're still able to 
like learn and not oh. learn. That's not really the right question. Well, I, but absolutely, like, no, that is there. Absolutely. Yeah. I look to you. I do. I, I always, uh, I deflect to you for many things because you've been such a great teacher for me personally as well. Yeah. And in turn, you're a great teacher for me. Like I think yes. that goes hand, like hand we in hand. hand. Yes. But what I mean is like, there's a lot of things that you probably don't know about me. Of course. <laughs> You're like, and that's shit. the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> like you hear things for the first time on this podcast yes. about my life. And I think that's kind of neat how we're all, we all, I don't know if you want to call it skeletons in your closet, but we all hold things and shape who we are based on our experiences and, um, and we hold it in. And I, I like being at this point in my life where I can share that and see, show the other side and what it, what it feels like and what it's like to actually let go of some of that pain and some of that judgment and um, some of those patterns that we've created in our lives that keep us in, you know, purgatory. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay, and another something I just occurred to me as you were speaking right now, because that's how it happens when you're interviewing somebody, I guess, is one of the things on social media that's been a very big deal in the past few months has been sort of the treatment of women yes. from uh, men in power. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's a topic that you might someday touch on or work on too. Is uh, do you think that that's happened to you? Um, I'm not talking about glass ceiling things or stuff like that, but I'm talking about um, dealing with abuse. Yeah. Uh, It doesn't even necessarily have to be sexual, but it can be like abuse of power, that sort of thing. Yeah, all the time. I mean, it's happened to me multiple times in my life through like coaching, through being an athlete for Team Canada. Um, People just try, people just are who they are and they try to take advantage of, I don't want to call them the weak because I don't want to generalize women as weak, but I've done it myself. Like I bully people around. I have in the past. I, I push people to their limits. I see what I can, how much someone will give me. I, I have, I have done that. Is that abuse of power? Probably. I mean, now I, I don't exactly do that. I, or if I, I don't do that consciously, that's a better way to say it. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily believe people are consciously, I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt that it's just something that they've learned and something that they, it's a behavior that they've practiced their whole lives and they don't, they're not even aware that their behavior is making someone feel bad. And a lot of times like abusers, they, they take a step back and they're like, oh my God, I had no idea I was making you feel that way. Well, I, I kind of believe them in a lot, in many cases, I do believe that it's not, but that's not a reason to continue to stay in a cycle of abuse because that the other person doesn't know they're abusing you. You just need to practice your own self-love and your own shit. Like you need to get your own shit together to be able to see that. And then you get to make a choice. It's your choice. Do you want to um, participate in that type of behavior with somebody or not? Mm. We always have a choice. There's a choice. We're always we're making thousands of decisions every single day, and um, we're responsible for ourselves ultimately. So, so yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Lisa, thank you very much. Thanks, I really Ma. enjoy this hour with you, or however long it's been. It's been an hour. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, okay. Until next time, guys. 
So thanks again for listening to another week of Elisa Unfiltered. If you haven't done so already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I would also love it if you recommended me to your friends and, you know, get everyone you know listening. It will help spread the message of joy and good vibrations. Thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time.